Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to Brown Reflections. I've got the facts and the fiction for whatever mood you're in. Pour yourself a glass of wine, make yourself a cup of tea, kick back and listen. I'm Karen Sloan Brown, and this is the Fortunes of Blues and Blessings, Chapter 3. In the fall of 1860, the tides in Georgia were shifting and repercussions were seen from the richest households to the most humble of slave quarters. Abraham Lincoln's election as president caused a swell of rumors of war in Savannah. Maya listened intently to the conversations between Richard and Eliza at mealtime. From what she heard from the other side of the door, there was reason to hope that soon they would be leaving and she would be able to go back to her life on the island. All this political upheaval is for naught, Richard said to Eliza reading the morning paper. We all knew slavery was bound to end one day, one way, or another. I'm ready to cut all our ties here and take a train north or sail overseas as soon as possible, she replied, fearing the violent insurrections that had spread through other southern states would eventually erupt in Georgia. It's only been two days since the election, and the whole city is crowded in the center of town, protesting and calling for Georgia's secession from the Union. Richard wasn't nearly as concerned. I hope there is a peaceful end to the controversy, where the slaves will eventually be offered their freedom and given the opportunity to work for fair wages on the land. It's too late for that, Richard. The Georgia military has already been armed. War is practically inevitable. We might as well leave the country as soon as we can. I have no desire to escape to Europe. I'm past the point of dreaming the dreams of a young man, he told her matter-of-factly. I'm satisfied with my life as a Southern gentleman. Well, the fact is, I plan to take Daphne and sail across the Atlantic with or without you, Richard, she said with disdain. You can do whatever pleases you. It no longer matters to me. Then I won't trouble you with useless persuasions, my dear. What he didn't say was that he couldn't imagine his life without the sweet warmth of Maya's body next to his on most nights. His connection to her had driven a wedge between him and Eliza, and any overtures he made to her received a cold reception. Richard had never planned for this to happen, and he struggled as to whether it had been his fortune or misfortune to see her on that spring day 11 years ago. The new year began with the planner associates of the Baileys in Savannah, celebrating the state secession from the Union and furthering their campaign to preserve their way of life. But restlessness and uncertainty spread across the Low Country Islands as Union gunboats gathered, gathered around the coast. The slaves on Bailey Grove were split in their reactions to the rumblings that traveled from neighboring plantations. So many folks are talking about running off, Hercules told Rachel as they sat outside their cabin, catching some of the cool evening air. They think it's a good time to escape north while the slave trackers are distracted in the fights. I hear some want to join them colored unions in the Union Army, Rachel said as she weaved on a new basket. Most of them refuse to work now anyways, and it ain't no matter to me. I'm here to help whoever wants to prepare, prepare for their own survival on Asaba. Hercules had been a trained warrior in Sierra Leone before his capture. He knew the war between the Confederates and the Union could drag on for longer than either side had considered, maybe even years. They needed to store provisions for the winter with the blockades on the island ports. 
on the mainland in Savannah, only a few slaves worked during planting season. Black families were leaving the plantations in the darkness of night in numbers of five or more, crossing over enemy lines, searching for solace among Union troops. By harvest time, there's only going to be you, me, and Maya, Joe said to Mary in the kitchen of the big house. I know Master Bailey be leaving soon too, Mary told him. He said he doubt Fort Pulaski can hold back the Union army. Richard had gradually come to accept that the life he loved as a rich Southern gentleman would never be the same, and that the legacy of his father hung in limbo. Looking out over the land that had been in his family for generations, he tried to press the images in his memory that would probably have to last him a lifetime. Richard had delayed leaving Savannah because of his attachment to Maya. He felt she was an extension of his soul as he had been joined to her in another life. But now, even before his departure, the distance between them was already in place. The seasons were changing. Maya could see the clouds that had kept her from experiencing the full joy of her life were breaking up and moving out of her atmosphere. The possibility of returning to her sea island without having to come back to the mainland came closer to reality with each passing day. Yet a weight hung in her, heavy in her heart and pulled it apart. I'm pregnant again, Nana, she said, feeling distraught. Well, lest the missus is gone and you don't have to worry about her taking it from you, Mary said to relieve her mind. It's not that I'm worried about the missus. I'm not sure if I want this seed of masters to come to fruition. I don't want to bring the evidence of my sin back home with me to Asaba. It's my chance to put all this behind me and start over. Why are you thinking of such things, child, Mary said. Don't nobody blame you for what happened here. You was a slave gal under her master. Was nothing you could do different. I need you to help me get rid of it, Nana, Maya said seriously. I don't want to, but I'll help you, child. You done been through so much. Maya hoped it would slide out of the slippery trails from the inside of the okra pod that Mary had placed inside her, but the stubborn seed continued to grow. Don't worry, child. It'd only be a matter of a week before all the crops is gathered and maybe another week of canning, Mary said. Then you can catch the ferry back to Asaba, to freedom, to your mom and Hercules. They gonna love you and the baby. I guess that's the way it has to be. I'll leave it be, Maya said, being, be, having resigned herself to the child in her belly. At least I'll be home for good. Subsequent to him receiving word that the last of the rice planters had abandoned their slaves and plantations on the sea island, Richard was appreciative of Eliza's business savvy and forethought to sell most of their slaves and put their small fortune into profitable investments. He wondered more about the extent of the damage done to their marriage and if she would allow his discretions to be left in the past among the ruins that would surely be born out of this war. Richard packed up his most treasured mementos of his life and family in Savannah and asked Mary and Joseph to sit with him in the study. I want to tell you both that I'm leaving while I still can. I have free papers for you, and I want to give you some money to help you get started on your own. I owe you at least that. This is the onlyest home we know, Master Bailey. Where are we going to go, Joe asked. We ain't got enough time or strength left for us to start a new life somewhere else. We both practically born here 
on this island and this is where we're going to die. If that's what you want and what Mary want, you have my permission to stay on the estate. The only request I have is that you both agree to be the caretakers of the property and maintain the burial plots of my dear mother and father until we return. I'll see to it that Maya is safe aboard the ferry to Asaba this afternoon where she can have sanctuary. That's what we want, Joe declared, and Mary nodded. When the time came for Maya to tell Mary goodbye, her eyes burned, and the tears that flooded them couldn't quench the fire. This woman had been her lifeline, making her existence bearable in the big house. Her nana had held her together on the many occasions she had been broken into pieces. She would always be grateful, but she had to go. I love you, Nana. You too, Joe, Maya said before she climbed into the carriage. I'm going to miss you all so much. I'm going to miss you the most, child, Mary said, holding her fist tight, full with the cloth from her skirt as the carriage began to roll away. Joe drove them down to the ferry. Maya was as quiet on the ride as she had been as a child riding to the Bailey Estates on her first trip to the mainland. She had never felt love or desire for Master Bailey. She had simply endured. For Richard, Maya had been his rainbow over nearly 12 years, and he hoped that he had given her some measure of the happiness she had brought to him, and that it was not just the sordid use of a slave by her master. But their parting was awkward, and neither was able to find the appropriate words to end their story. The silence overwhelmed them, and the simple gesture of a wave of their hands said the goodbye that neither could muster. It just be you and me, Joseph said to Mary after he returned from driving Master Bailey to the train station. Richard was headed to New York with plans to unite with Eliza and Daphne in London for the duration of the war. Hercules and Rachel didn't know the circumstances on the mainland or that Maya was coming home. The sight of her walking in the sunnest set of the evening with her knapsack over her shoulder was more like a, a mirage seen by a parched man in the desert whose thirst had driven him mad. My baby is home, Rachel said, running to Maya in bare feet and pulling her close to her breast. We are whole again, Hercules said when he reached them. I promise you, Maya, I will die before I let you be a slave to anyone on this earth again. Let's go inside and celebrate your coming home. I got Malibu for everyone, he said, and he talked about the wine he made from the palmetto tree. Mary and Joseph closed up the mansion on Bailey Estates, satisfied to live in their quarters in the kitchen house. The initial days had been lonesome, but from time to time, slaves fleeing from other plantations sought temporary refuge at the Bailey Estates on their way to forts occupied by the Union forces. They exchanged comfort for company. There were times even Union soldiers occupied the mansion. By year's end, the Union Navy had landed on the Sea Islands and the slaves left there were the first in the South to be freed. I prayed every day that I would be a free man again, Hercules confided to Rachel sitting at the table. I dreamed about it most nights, but I never thought it would come this way. Thank God your prayers and mine were answered, Rachel said, stirring a pot of gumbo. I always thought in time I would buy my freedom with the money I earned. Now I can truly look forward to the day I return to my family and my home in Sierra Leone. I'm just glad to be back home on the island, Maya added. 
You stay here for as long as you can, Hercules, Richard had advised him. Work the land for your own profit for as long as the Union soldiers will let you. I've got big plans for the next planting season, Hercules said, as they walked across the plantation after supper. But first, we enjoy this time of jubilation. Hercules spent the winter months building a new room on the house for Maya and her baby. When the chills of the winter subsided, Maya sat on her peak of the earth, listening to the waves roll in, watching the Navy ships in the distance, and feeling the new life in her belly tumble back and forth. That's when she got her revelation. Mama, when this baby is born, I'm going to be reborn too, she said when she got back to the cabin. It's new life will be a new life for me too. Maya had decided that she would have a fresh start and she would find her purpose in the world. Each day when she did her chores and when she walked among nature looking for God, she released her inner pain, her hurt, her resentment, and her shame. She prayed it out, sang it out, laughed it out, talked it out, and even sweated it out. I don't want the first baby I nurse and care for to taste the bitterness inside me, Maya told her mama. And in time, the glow of the sun kissed her face again, and her soul's joy was restored. All the accumulated love that was meant for the other three babies who were taken from her would be showered on this special one. And on March 17, 1862, Rachel was where she wanted to be for the other three births at her daughter's bedside, helping to deliver her grandchild. When Maya heard the baby cry, it was music to her ears. You got a pretty baby girl, Maya, Rachel said, wrapping the baby in a clean cloth. Give it to me before somebody steals her away, Maya said, still a bit suspicious from what had happened three times before. I'm here, sugar. Nobody's going to take your baby. Her cries sound like she's singing, Mama, Maya said, holding her baby tightly. Let's hope they stay like that, Rachel laughed. I'm going to name her Diana Portunis. After the Roman god of the doorways between the past and the future, Maya told Rachel and Hercules at dinner. She's the child who brought me back into daylight. Diana's birth was the opportunity for happiness given to her from an important liaison. Diana was her fortunate aftermath to an unfortunate situation. Isn't she perfect, Mama, Maya would say as she stared into her face for hours at a time amazed by the flawlessness of her eyes and the miracle of her mouth and the sound of her voice. Having you both here is all I ever wanted, Rachel said. I ain't never been this happy. Right now, all she needs to survive flows from my breast because I'm her mama, Maya said, satisfied. But sometimes late in the night, my heart hurts for the ones who were stolen from me. Maya worked hard to push that sadness out of her mind by morning, lest it crowd the delight that Diana brought to her life each day. She barely allowed anyone else to hold her baby, and sleep was only able to steal the smallest hours from her time with her. When Diana was less than two months old, Maya used her knapsack to tie her across her chest and took her everywhere she went. She carried the baby to her peak on the island by the ocean, through the woods, in the grassy fields, and into the swamps. She showed her the wonder of God in the raindrops, his perfection in a rose, and his sweetness when she touched her baby's lips with sugar cane. Maya held her baby in her lap and looked into her eyes and said, I live my mama's life, but you won't live mine. 
You'll never be anybody's slave, little Diana. I promise you, you'll always be free to make your own choices.